few few questions here. So first of all how how do you hold how do you <coughs> how do you hold the harshness? <coughs> Secondly, sometimes I think we meditators look so glum, stoic and dour. My practice recently has just been to lighten up, not to take it too seriously and stop trying so hard. It seems to be working. Always inspired by Ajahn Sumedha's ability to stop and laugh at the absurdity of it all. Is this life just one big cosmic joke? (laughs) Always look on the bright side. Of death just before you take your terminal breath. <laughs> Comments, please. <laughs> Another one. Could you find? Could you find that a more general? Do you find that a more general tuning into the body, breathing, or the sensations of the body may result in more wandering off the meditation object? I feel myself responding to this gentler more caring approach but judgment arises and says I'm not trying hard enough there is a sense of drifting a bit another one could you say a bit about knowing the difference between mental proliferation which is to be let go of and mental patterns or sankharas to observe or be with or look into so let's see so you see the how different people's experiences are. <laughs> 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 yeah. So these really are about meet, seem to be all about just meeting, meeting, finding a place or a way to meet experience, you know, which is going to work. I think the it's really the sense is that there's depends what you're trying to meet really and th- I think it's important not to have an I- to fix an idea that either life is a joke or life is a tragedy or life is anything you know <laughs> um, just to just well what's it feel like right now <laughs> to meet as it is right now to know how how you're meeting it you know so um my sense is that, but that generally encouraged to to really meet your own experience, not with any particular attitude, you know, grim or flippant or, you know, but just to meet it and sense how it is and how you're affected by it, because this is really where, you know, what you're meeting is these um, mental patterns, sankharas. That is, um, you know, particular. Desires, wishes, resistances, um, attitudes, convictions, agitations, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that, that it can be called sankara. Sankara just means in general anything that's kind of moving and has got a volitional push to it. It's got this sense of push that once you make feel you want to act upon it, you know, that's what a sankara is. It always says, hey, do something. You know, and so you buy into it and you do something and it, it gets more ingrained. So sometimes it says run away, sometimes it says, um, you know, 
or it doesn't necessarily say something, but you get particular, you know, it's all the stuff that gets you going in some way or another. If you see what I mean, that's Sankara. It's all your stuff that gets you going. And sometimes it's something that's pretty obvious, you know, passions of one kind or another. Sometimes it's more on the level of particular, you know, you get a view comes up. You, something happens, you get a view of, well, it should be this way, or or something like that. You get a particular view comes up, or people are like that, or that's your problem, you know. <laughs> so that's the Sankara, because it's a kind of reaction. Uh, and it's a way you, you've kind of got a way of just... Uh, in a way, just kind of getting out of that experience. You dismiss it, or you react to it, or you get frightened by it, think, oh my goodness, I can't handle this, and shit, you know, what am I supposed to do? And that, that's the sankara. Yeah. So following it, resisting it, chugging it off, having a view about it, blaming somebody else, blaming yourself, praising it, you know, it's all sankara. And, and so... You know, these you want to actually, as you as you meet, as you meet, experience touches you, which it does. Then you have, you know, sort of just to try to meet it much more, um, with more full awareness. You know, more more attuned, more balanced awareness. So it's meeting it ideally with things like mindfulness and investigation and uh, calm or kindness and. Is the general things that you that you're building up to enrich awareness, but it, it's 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 you know these things are not okay. Reach for this particular thing off the shelf and put some of that on it. The general thing is that your your practice is always cultivating all these enriching qualities because they feel good, yeah, and because uh, they feel good, you you want to do them anyway. But actually, the, the end result of all of them is they're they're enriching your general. Uh, potency of your of your awareness, so you, it it comes endowed with all these qualities. Like you put every, all the good stuff in the stew pot, and you get, you know, it's got all these facility faculties to it. Yeah. Um, and then you know, with that, there can be a kind of uh, uh, depending what your experience is, some sense of okay, the, you know, I need to get just really. Um, relax around this or firm up around this or not get involved with this just just let it go you know don't don't make a thing out of this mm. don't get all tight about it so there's a rain, range of ways in which uh, but they all are you can't you don't want to fake them by saying well he does this or she does that because it's really <laughs> you know it's you, you it's what your awareness is going to do <laughs> uh, and uh, also not to prejudge it, like, but to actually try to meet it much more s intuitively and as it's happening. Mm. So certainly, you know, when we come around to things like particular views, dog dog dogmatism can be seen as just yeah, you know, uh, absurd sometimes. When you get to looking at particular views that that humans get all knotted up about. Um, other people's views seem absurd. My views seem actually clear. <laughs> <laughs> but we wouldn't want to, wouldn't think that other people's physical pain is a source of 
<laughs> laughing, you know, getting getting a bayonet shoved in you or starving to death in Darfur or having AIDS or having your children dying of some ghastly disease is source of, you know, be light about it. Um, so there sometimes views are things that, you know, one can find a sense of, goodness me, where have I been, you know? What a ridiculous thing to get caught up about. And then you, the relief of that, you get a sense of humor about it. So that's indeed something that can come out. Um, mm. Then there's, you see, the, the harshness. Um, essentially what, you know, one way of, of just covering the topic very generally is that you have old karma, which is the old patterns, the old attitudes, the familiar stuff. Yeah. So this is um, your habitual reactions, your your buttons, you might say, your particular strategies that have become there, as well as you know the memories or you know whatever. So this is mean by old karma, old residual stuff that still has the keeps arising and it has the power to 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 get you going, you know, in other words, you can, here it comes again, and you, one reacts to it, or one tries to fix it, sort it out, reacts to it, some kind of, you know, if we create more karma or out of that, yeah, sometimes good, the karma, we forgive, we get some resentment, you come up and you forgive, forgive, you let go of that, it's really nice, or bad karma, you, something comes up, and you add to the resentment, and you build it up, negative karma, or ending karma. The karma that ends karma is you see, oh, this is this. There it is. No. It's not me, it's not you, it's just a particular form. And, hmm, you know. So that sense of being able to not be caught in some reaction to it, but just sit witnessing it just purely as a kind of like a form that arises particular energetic form that arises, you know, psychological form that arises. We all have these, don't we? We're sure that my anger is about the same as yours. I haven't got patent on it. <laughs> you know, we all know what it feels like, and yet when it f- comes up in me, it's mine, and, you know, and, and then I feel guilty about it, or follow it, or, you know, or try and suppress it. But actually, it's, it's just the kind of thing that human beings are endowed with sort of stuff that happens in the in the the nerve endings. So oh, you know. Indeed, then there is a sense of just perhaps being a little bit more, you know, light about that, but not flippant, but you know, don't make a whole drama out of it. Don't make a whole story out of it. Um, you know, beating your breast about it all the time. Um so this is where the mental proliferation occurs. See, when we, when you get old karma stuff arises and you get into this mental proliferation, which means, oh, I shouldn't be this, I am that, I was this, it's because of this, and they always do, or that's introjection, it means you keep making more and more story about yourself out of that. Or projection is when you say, well, they're like this, and they always do that, and you can never trust them, and they that, and they let me down yesterday, and always, like, and everybody's like that, you know. So you make a whole storyline about the rest of the world, or people, or men, or women, or 
someone or the other, you know, so you have a whole spiel that gets going on everybody else. You know, so that those that's the mental proliferations. And um, these are sankharas. So actually, you know, the question really about one or the other, mental proliferation is a sankara. It's, it's called a papancha sanya sankara, which means a proliferation based on um, impressions and volition, volitional forces. So that's the technical thing. So it is of the nature of sankara. And in a way, it's to be both, it is investigated or it's sensed and it is to be let go of as all sankharas are, you know. I mean, there are good sankharas too, but the idea is you can, like, um, you know, develop it to the point where it's, it's, you've, you've completed that, you've finished it. So it's to be um, held, acknowledged, um, not, um, we don't uh, sensed, and then how do we sense that? Well, the the difficulty is that mostly when these things arise, we meet things either with a thought or with an emotion. Yeah, so something comes up, and you, think, oh, and you think about it, or the mind thinks about it, it goes into thinking, and the thinking's you know if you get a storyline going, this is what I mean by stories get a whole th- repetitive thinking. You know, as I said, the process of introjection or projection, it's got a lot of story to it. She did this and he did that and they never do this and I always do that and it's my turn always and nobody ever helps me and yada, 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 so forth. So that's so a lot of th- thoughts come cascading along with that. Yeah? So you get this kind of sense of whatever it is and it's probably hurt. <laughs> it's the simple word, <laughs> and then we meet the the hurt comes up, and we, the thought process just accumulates all kinds of stories around it. It's rather like a blister over a wound, um, or you, one meets it emotionally, which is the the feeling of um, you know there's a surge of emotion. One feels invaded or outraged or. Um, you know, or intoxicated in some way emotionally. It's kind of rush of emotion. And most they occur together. The emotion is actually the the power, the thrust that, that keeps, you know, as the thoughts start to wear out, the emotion gives them another kick and then the whole thing starts spinning again. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, how it works, yeah. And, and so really... What you, what advice is 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 with this is you okay here it goes uh, you hear the voice you know, it's kind of whatever it's doing uh, I want this I need this I always or can't can't have enough of this so it's desire and you notice well so if you just sum it up in one word what the emotional track of this story is and it could be something like never get what I want or always have to do more than everybody else or always pushed into a corner you know one of these things is always left out or never good you know can't make it never good enough you know these kinds of emotional things what's that sometimes you can even see the owner of this voice what do you think she looks like you know (laughs) 
what do you think he looks like? You know, <laughs> wow, who is that? So these san- these sankharas are almost like little. Sometimes the story I- it's got a little character in it, a little persona there. You know, it's probably been there quite a while. That little, you know, undernourished orphan or the <laughs> raging tantrum four-year-old. You know, <laughs> there he is again. Hey, little fella, how you doing down there? You know. Uh, so once you kind of get to that place, you can almost hear that voice, and then how you respond to that. Yeah. So, so that's investigation. That's the quality of skillful investigation as an aspect of 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 how of, I- of the full p- power of awareness. You hold something you know, that's restraint, mindfulness of that, bear it in mind, feeling it out, sampajanya. Um, investigating it, Dhamma Vijaya. Okay, how is that? And then how you can respond? Sometimes it's just just even doing that. Sometimes is enough. You kind of see this little person, or you you can kind of hear this person, this little voice. You think, wow, here he is again. After all these years, you know. And sometimes just that, it's like you turn the 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 light beam on the ghost. He goes, poof. You know, when the Buddha says, Tamara, I know you, Mara. You know, just shining the shining the, the torchlight on him. It's like suddenly, oops. You know, he can't, can't really get solid. You can't really get solid because you, you've kind of, you haven't believed in it. You haven't gone into your either believing in it or, oh, I've got a big problem here. And <laughs> You, you've kind of, oh, yeah. So you, that's in a way that that's could be one. Just sometimes that's enough, and sometimes it's perhaps a little bit more of just a little bit holding it a little bit more fully. When it comes down to something that's really almost like one point, when it's all proliferating, scattering into cascades everywhere, it's just like there's too many, too many bits of it, you know, and it's still reproducing itself like some cancer so you want to get down to just one thing that you can uh, this is rage this is starving this is um, you know starved this is the bleak this is the um, you know the squashed or whatever it feels like what does that need you know so and again when when he when it comes to something like that, you can almost sense without thinking Whew, it just needs to be held you know not crushed, just held just held felt held so that there's some that you know when you come to that place just just being present with that in an empathic way is what's needed and it's as if just the meeting something at that level you know very without being clever or looking down on it or preaching at it in any way just meeting it there's an empathic response and it's, it's as if the energy of that bottled up Sankara is able to then be released 
and it sort of there's a sense of it diffusing. It can be released. It releases itself, like all it really wanted was to be to be fully held, you know, to be fully seen, to be fully um, met. You know, can come back again, of course, but um, you know, each time it comes, it gets smaller, 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 smaller. The less you follow it, the less you believe it, the less you give it that belief, the smaller it gets. Some of these things can can move quite quickly. Some of them take a long time, you know, of just being, bearing with. Mm. How do you hold the harshness? Mm. Well, once you acknowledge harshness, once you acknowledge that, you know, what does harshness need, you know? Not what do I need? I need to get rid of this harshness and be a better kind of person. No, that's not that's not the question. Is it what does the harshness need? Mm. And uh, if you ask it, you know the right way, you know what it needs, <laughs> and it won't be just because it, it, it's also not the answer is very obvious in a way. We all know the answer, but it's. It's it's to get the answer coming from the right place. Yeah. I'm sure most of us could write little essays. Oh, be you feel harsh, just practice metta bhavana and that's it and be loving kindness and there you are next. Yeah, but that's not that's coming from up here, you know. <laughs> it's not coming from the place where the harshness is. So it's like you're you're talk you're speaking out of the attic window to something that's happening in the basement. And you wonder why it doesn't get heard. You know, one of the, one of the kind of frustrations and and of dharma practices. You know, you know it all. You've got it sorted in your head, and yet the stuff isn't shifting because, in a way, the more you know, the less you <laughs> the less good you get at it. Because you, you 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 got it right, but it's you, you're addressing it from the wrong place. So very often we actually feel things in one place, something's arising in one place, we sense it in another place, and we answer it in, in another place. So you know, you've got this, you know, something's happening in a very kind of primary, impersonal level. Maybe we, f- we feel a kind of an emotion that's bringing us into it personally, so we get a sense of an emotion, and we respond to it with a thought. You know, so it doesn't work, does it? It's like trying to feed a donkey by shoving a carrot up its backside. You know, you've got the right idea. (laughs) 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 But it's the wrong hole, you know. And really, the the, the difficulty is actually to, you know, find the place where that, that, say, that harshness is... It's, it's um, you know, I don't think it's un- really that unusual either. Because that sense of judgment, um, and uh, which is quite a powerful sankara, quite a powerful piece of program patterning. You know, we all have an eye sort of programmed into having notions of should be and 
as good as and you know we look at other people who seem to be better than we are and we should be this and other people have got their seem to have their stuff together more and we should be like that so it's kind of judgmental thing and you read stuff in the books about you know loving and pure and saintly and wise and so forth you know, crabby old so and so so why are you different than that so you get a kind of harsh judgmental attitude coming up um so where's that where's that who is that is quite a nice way to look at it what, what does he look like you know, kind of pl- play with it a bit, so you're not frightened of it. You know, what do you look? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? Now, if you put those together, you're starting to find the place to address it. You're starting to sort of see what it looks like, because then you're actually coming back into the more primary level of the mind, which is more just kind of intuitive, imaginative sense primary sense in your body and then right there is where wisdom skill and some persistence the answer arises you know which you'd say (laughs) is like kindness of course (laughs) but it's actually coming from the right place at the right time and you know the, the snag is the frustrating thing is that you know, the place of harshness is not deeply in abundant kindness there. <laughs> Otherwise it wouldn't be harsh, would it? You know, so one of the um, pieces I would give w- of advice on any of these difficult things is, you know, you when you, you come to a place, say, of harshness or, or that kind of thing, it's not going to be full of roses it's going to be thorny you know it's going to be so and a tendency often to deal with something is to, to focus on it like really sort this out you know go right in there and and this doesn't work on with this kind of experience because you then you just get into a kind of a wrestling match with the thing or or you get captured by it or you get frustrated by it it's best to just be on the edges you know, like, like just feeling it out, not like like when we're doing qigong, you know, it's trying to keep the sense of a looseness and a wholeness of your whole body, so you can feel the bits that feel free and feel open, and you know, and you can sense the tightness or the not the difficult bit within that, and you, maybe you can sense in your mind there's some space and some openness and some pliancy, and you can feel somewhere where it feels quite tight. Don't you know? Keep the keep the picture big, so that you've got access to the the more empathic and fluent qualities of the mind, rather than just getting mesmerized by the the difficult pieces. So it's a kind of shuttling, you might say, touching it, and coming back to where you feel okay, shuttling it, touching it, shuttling it, touching it, softening it, being learning how to be with it without getting pulled into it or without spinning out somewhere else hmm? <laughs> I mean it sounds I, I maybe I'm making a lot more of it than you really need but there are pieces that are quite good to know about yeah. so pr- mental proliferation 
is to be let go of, but it is to be let go of through a skillful handling and meeting of it, and piece at a time, little piece at a time. So the other one, uh, similar nature in a way, but it's really about um, tuning into the body breathing or the sensations of the body. So this may result in more wandering off the meditation object. Though the person feels responding and appreciating the somewhat more gentle or spacious (coughs) mode, hearing approach, but this judgment arises... (laughs) says i'm not trying hard enough is there a sense of drift there is a there's a sense of drifting a bit yeah yeah well um that's true <laughs> more practice is needed <laughs> as they say <laughs> it's the answer for everything really isn't it <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think what I'm trying to su- suggest, and perhaps it's in line with the first comment, you know, about we don't want to get too heavy about things, is you're trying to create a, a good environment for practice, some where there's, there is some sense of, um, you know, warmth and ease, and you're not bringing in these um, sort of psychological pressures some of them which are not you know coming from some true dhammic place but coming from old habits you know the judgmental mind the person mentions the you know which is not you, know, you listen to that is this going to take you to enlightenment goodness me i hope not uh, i don't, really don't want to be enlightened if that's what it means becoming <laughs> more and more judgmental <laughs> is it worthwhile <laughs> So trying to create uh, an environment, an inner environment, as well as an external one that you, that you feel you want to be with. You know, you feel, oh, I feel comfortable in this. Uh, it's okay. So I think that's really valuable. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got a place you feel you can sort of sit and... Uh, And the mind is not pressed down or constricted or, or pushed or agitated. So if we come to that, you know, then you then the tuning in, um so within that you you know, that is your meditation theme, if you like. The med- that is the meditation object in a way. The first level of it is just to get to feel, you know, present and open and free from free from um, pressures of one kind or another. I mean, that's good enough, really. <laughs> you know, sometimes you think, well, maybe that's all you need to do, uh, just do that. But so, so, you know, what are we trying to do? That is a meditation theme. And then but within that, you'll probably find that something feels like cloudy or a bit, you know, uncentered or blurred or not really balanced or poised so you want to tune in tune in this is why using something like breathing and body because they're always there you don't have to create them and 
rhythm. You see, now we are we naturally attuned to rhythm. You see, our mind is a pattern former, isn't it? You know, so you don't, don't immediately you, you hear three things in a row. You, the mind says, "Oh, that it adds it up as a pattern." We we attuned to pattern quite easily. You know? The mind creates patterns. It's a pattern builder. You know? And you see five people walk down the road, and you you come, you know, you you summarize it as some pattern or behavior pattern or and particularly rhythm, yeah, because that's what you're born with. That's what you come into birth with. You hear the thumping of the heartbeat, you know, boom, boom. So that's really very basic. And that that sense of the heartbeat is the sense that gives you the oh, I'm okay, you know. So you're just a little um, still in the mother's womb. You've got something that you you can. You're kind of navigating around. Um, So particularly rhythmic experiences and sound. So music, big drumming, rhythms are things that that naturally catch us, our attention and get us going somewhere or another. The rhythmic sense. Mm. Because it's, it's, it's comforting in that it's here again, it's here again. It's here again. It's here again. So it's got that sense of comforting home back here. So, you know, when the th- constant refrain in the Buddha's teaching on mindfulness of breathing is every time he says, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, be aware of the breath, breathing in, breathing out, be aware of breathing long, breathing short, breathing in, breathing out, be aware of the short breath in, the short breath out. <laughs> you know, it's always in, out, in, out, in, out continual refrain is for every bit of the teaching is be aware of it breathing in, be aware of it breathing out. So that seems to be almost like the basis. You get that. Tuning into that, that rhythm of it. And then how you di- how you notice the difference. Why why is breathing in different from breathing out? How do you know the difference between breathing in and breathing out? So you pick up the kind of energies, the sensations that occur that tell you you're breathing in and tell you you're breathing out. So there's the tuning in, and there's the the definitely some um, you know discernment. So we we the sense of um, focusing is more based on sensitive discernment rather than pressure to hold it together. Rather than the pressure to get calm or concentrate. It's a matter of keep noticing, resonating, checking into that open environment, that pleasant environment. Keep checking in. So, so it's a, a a steadying or a concentration that comes around through the faculty of discernment. That's that. That's that. That's that. That's that. And uh, the primary engine if like of that I mean, engine's a bit wrong metaphor but is vitaka vichara which means vitaka means you, your mind touches it you know points to it touches it vichara means it, it handles it it means it gets a feeling from it so just like you, you, you got it you got it you know so it's like the finger points at something touches it and then you got it you know, right. You know, so that 
sense of getting it is called vichara. The sense of pointing at it is called vitaka. So the simile is sometimes used of a ringing a bell. So striking the bell is vitaka. And that lovely sound is vichara, the resonance. Yeah, which is, is, is longer. It's a longer thing. And uh, the vitaka needs to be quite, you know, precise. There definitely is a bell here. And then just wait, listen, take it all in. That's vichara. So that process, the Buddha says, this is, you know, the first two factors for concentration of this. First two factors for concentration of this, just exercising this. And you want to make it so it's you can vitaka onto something you can get your vitaka onto. So it's like, you know, just hit the bell. It doesn't worry about which spot on the bell right now. <laughs> you know. So you're breathing, right? Okay. So maybe it's a bit blurred at first. Well just just body <laughs> dong <laughs> breathing. You know, rather than a particular little point on the breathing, no, just just any old point, you can get it. And then you sort of resonate with it. Feels like this, feels like this. So that that's the that's the the action, if you like, um, within the process of focusing. And uh, yeah, I haven't really made a lot out of that this time round um, in this retreat. Um, I guess you know when you teach a retreat, you just make a rough assessment as to as to how wrecked people are when they get in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and maybe it just gives people time to just kind of loosen up, relax a bit, and then, okay, now you can tighten, you know, take in the slack, as it were, but get some slack first of all. Then you can take it in. There's no point tightening up with your, if your, your bearings are knocking, as it were. <laughs> so then, when things get a bit sort of fuzzy, you think, oh, you know, I want to sharpen up. Good, fine, you want to sharpen up. This is how to do it. Know, get more more moment a moment precise. I my general assessment and this isn't I'm hope I'm sure this isn't true for everybody, but um is that people are often overworked in that in their um uh, in their vitakas. <laughs> that is your your mind has been going this, 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 you know, deal with this, deal with that, deal with this, deal with it. It's been grabbing and picking, pecking many, many things, so it's just kind of pooped. So you've got to let it just, my my inclination is just to let it relax a bit till it gets some energy back, then you can use it. So, you know, within that that, that aramana, that mental sphere of um, allowance, of letting it be like that, um, you know, is still a good cultivation. You know, it really is a good theme. And then you'll find within that, you know, you'll find your own way when you want to actually be a bit more one-pointed, focus in, sharpening up, take up the slack. That's how you do it. Um, yeah. And then with mindfulness of breathing, then probably what will occur, what I sense occurring is, is that it kind of like you find as a pl- particular 
places which seem more available. You know, like you might find that you're sen- sen- centering yourself in your chest or in the back of your nose, or you get some sense of a of a, of a breathing having a s- having a central place which feels more energized. And you just keep focusing in on that, but it's always in accompaniment with a quality of it feels good. You know, so it's both s- sort of emotionally or psychologically pleasing. You know, ah, that's where I feel nice and home. And it's it's um, so you, so it's got that aspect to it, and it's associated with body energy, you know. So so it's a place where those are naturally coming together anyway. So you're looking for how how the meditation will progress by itself. The process will start to occur by itself, and you're just tuning in, priming it, noting it, you know, getting on board with it, and so that you, you kind of follow it up as you get the signs of where it's starting to gel for you and um, where you're, you have that kind of an inclination, not a pressure, but an inclination to to just go in there a bit more, to, to stay in there a bit more, to really settle in there a bit more, to enjoy it a bit more. And though that, that sense will bring up a quality of, of rapture. That's a sense of interest and, and you know, you feel... You feel you've got some stuff, you've got some energy in store, you know. You actually, whoa, you're motivated, you feel enthusiastic towards that. And you also feel comfortable. And those are, those are the factors of samadhi. Itaka and piti sukha. And so with that, the mind set snuggles in, snuggles in, settles down, feels bright and steady. And it's uh, you look out for the signs. You 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 know, sometimes uh, this takes quite a while. You know, some days are better than others. <laughs> but that's that's the way I would recommend it. You know, that's the way I'd recommend it personally. Hmm. Please tell us something about what inspired you to become a Buddhist monk. bit of meditation. I had never done any meditation before. I'll make this short because it's just personal stuff really. But um, I never I never did any meditation as a lay person. So I've, I d- never found anything. And so I was, I was actually wandering around in Asia looking for somewhere where I could get some spiritual practice or training of some kind. And it, as they say in the wonderful books, it finally found me. <laughs> Somewhere in Thailand, and uh, thought, oh, well, I can do this. So I thought, well, this is, yeah, this is good. And then I could recognise, yeah, I, I don't think I got, I don't think I got the kind of determination or persistence to be able to just hold myself into this. You know, I'm pretty, 
loose, freewheeling kind of guy. I don't think I've got the self-discipline. So I've put myself in a monastery where I actually have less temptations <laughs> and less distractions. <laughs> so, so I did that. I didn't have any intention to be a monk at all, really just get somewhere. I knew my limitations, so I'd get somewhere where I'll, I'll you know, be more restrained and... Uh, and I did, after a while, I did start to sense how oh, it's kind of nice, really. And that, uh, you know, keeping the eight precepts, and having a little cootie to live in and food every day. Well, you know, there's the requisites sort of taken care of in a, in a basic way. And I could sense, you know, my, my father was in, in his 60s at, been working all his life to get just getting these requisites together <laughs> and they were just being handed to you on day one <laughs> so i thought oh, that's interesting you know and it wasn't you know it was obviously a lot of the entertainments weren't there but just as a basic thing so i just oh. and then i was i had to leave to get another visa because i only it was in thailand so i only got a one month visa so i had to when i left and I, as i came back i remember just being in a, uh, um, a seaside town, right, just about dawn, I'd just come down from the hotel I was staying in, I was sitting downstairs having a cup of coffee or something, and it was just dawn, dawn, the light was coming up, and as light was dawning down this dusty street, these monks came down, walking down the street, and they were, they were and the street was just, just a dirt street, so as they were walking down there barefoot, through this, through this dust, which is gently stirring the dust as it, they came along. There's nobody else on the street, just this line of monks. And um, they just had the bowl in their hands and these quite light robes. The sunlight was shining through the robes. It was sort of almost translucent. And they just had the bowl and the robes and they're barefoot and they're walking along, composed, <coughs> And happy. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that looks really nice. Just to be so light, you know. So light. Carrying so little seemed just really, to me, just really blissful possibility. You know. To be that, to be that light. Uh, as a sign. Uh, so I, I treasure that moment. You know. It kind of, to me, it carries something that, uh, you know, I try to keep at the heart of uh, the way I live, despite all the kind of, you know, complexities that can be occurring, just to try to keep that right in the heart of it all. <coughs> 